This is Don't Forget the Small Stuff. Today we're talking about Casino Royale. I'm sorry, Andy. I'm afraid your friend Mathis is really my friend Mathis. Maddie! What? Get the heavy rope and the chair with the hole in the seat. Welcome to Don't Forget the Small Stuff. On this podcast, we celebrate the overlooked and forgotten little moments in films. I'm Jess, and with me today is Maddie. Hello. And Andy. Hello again. And yes, we're talking about Casino Royale this week. Uh, So Casino Royale, um, directed by Martin Campbell. It's a Bond movie starring Daniel Craig, Ava Green, Mads Mikkelsen, Jeffrey Wright, Judi Dench, um, some little sort of tidbits about it. It won the BAFTA for Best Sound which is interesting. We might come back to that later on in the categories, I think, because it's worth remembering. Uh, it had a budget of $150 million and the box office takings were $616.5 million. Uh, I don't know if that's dollars or pounds. Probably pounds, I'm thinking, British film. Uh, so, um, yes, again, as with Back to the Future, it's fair to say it was a uh, financial success. IMDb has a, a rating of 8 out of 10, and it is 94% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So um, generally all-round, well-received film. Andy, what do you remember about Casino Royale? First time you saw it, first impressions? Well, for me, um, I came off the back of, of thinking Brosnan was the best Bond in the world and possibly couldn't be beaten. Um, I saw him as a more sophisticated Roger Moore Um yeah. And um, I was a great fan of of his portrayal of Bond. So when Craig was announced, I I remember getting slightly upset about him being blonde. Um, I can't imagine why. Um, He just didn't seem to fit my image of Bond. Um, But like any any kind of, I guess, that time in my life, any any big film, we just go watch it at the movies. Um, So I remember going to watch it and being completely transformed. I thought it was fantastic. So, yeah, very fond of this film, as you'll hear later. Yeah, <laughs> Maddie, you came to it later, obviously. What are your thoughts? Again, I don't really remember the first time I watched it. I remember you introduced it to us, and I just remember like being completely like struck by the movie. I was especially um, keen on the uh, Mads Mikkelsen's little poker chip flick. Yeah. I remember fixating on that for a while, trying to learn how to do it. But, yeah. I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm similar to you, Andy. I'm a Pierce Brosnan Bond apologist. I love. No need to apologise. Well, you know, I think in <laughs> the first three Pierce Brosnan films, Bond films, I think are great. Then it just, it just utterly tanked with Die Another Day. Can we leave that one alone? Yeah, Let's I mean, not it talk is actually one of the worst films ever. Yeah. Uh, so. I had I had no preconceived ideas because I felt like Bond was was kind of ruined at that point because of how bad Die Another Day was. So it didn't matter what they did for me. I think and that's then fair. Yeah. Casino Royale came along and it just yeah it, it blew us all away. I think I think they took what um, what the Bourne films had done, very very visceral action, very gritty, and turned it into a, a put that into a Bond film. And yeah, I think, I think it was a conscious reboot, wasn't it? Yeah. And I think the determination the, the of Brosnan, because um, I don't think he was actually 
as I understand it, it wasn't expected necessarily to leave, but I think there was a um, a kind of a desire from the folks making it, which um, that they used the opportunity as a, a reboot to not only reboot um, the kind of the series, but also Bond himself. And there's very few people actually. If you look at the cast list, there's very few returning cast members from from Dino the Day into uh, Casino Royale. I think actually Judy Dench and a couple of others, but smaller parts. Yeah. I think. I think Brosnan had a four-film contract, mm-hmm. but I guess that could have easily been extended had they wanted to. But yeah, I think maybe they decided he was getting on a bit. So I, I think we should just dive right into the to the small stuff. Um, conveniently, as Bond movies tend to do, they are split very nicely by location, and so it makes a very clear um, way for us to chronologically go through the film and pick out the things we noticed about it. So right at the beginning, we have the black and white grainy black and white sequence before the credits anything in there that you know stood out to you that you wanted to mention it's really gritty isn't it yeah. on it's purpose there's film grain it is it is there's no music it is really visceral um and raw and a brave choice but it works really well so we are going to go just go back to your no music comment for going to save that for audio corner though so um <laughs> But go on. What were you going to say? Um, I just think yeah. I think it's really cool. Like it's a very mellow, but in a way dramatic way to start a movie. It kind of sets the scene for the rest of what's going to happen. Makes makes you aware of where the movie's going to go very quickly. Because straight away you're made aware that this is a different Bond, and it gets up right at the start and says, "Okay, this he's not going to." I don't know close the door amusingly or straighten his yeah. tie or what have you you know he's yeah. just going to get on and regulate go nice. straight to the point and like he it talks about him having his first kill which means it shows that he's very new to the whole secret agent thing and is still finding his footing uh so then there's the opening credits apart from the little sequence with um le chiffre and the guy whose money he takes to look after. It goes then pretty quickly into the um, sequence in Madagascar, I think it is. Yep. So my the first thing I wanted to point out about the whole Madagascar sequence is the utter chaos that happens at the 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 fighting pit, whatever it is. The is it a mongoose and a cobra of yeah, fighting something like that? Yeah. And then there's gunshots and there's people running all over the place and the Bond's dude friend. Who Terrible. touches his ear? Terrible. Absolute disaster. What happens to him? And as a nice counterpoint to Bond, he's utterly useless. And this is my first thing that I noticed. With all that chaos ensuing, Bond is just standing there, completely motionless, leaning up against a wall or something, and he only moves when he has to. Mm. When he has to start chasing the guy, he, he's like a coiled spring, and he, he he's off. And I love that because it's. Going back to what you were saying about how he's new at the double O thing, that kind of, for me, that showed that he's actually, he might be new, but he's ready. Like he can be completely relaxed in the circumstance and then jump to action when he needs to. I just think it's a really cool um, character choice that they obviously made. You're just going to be leaning there nice and cool and then bam, you're in action straight away. Uh, Then we have the... The chase, which is pretty iconic now, the the parkour chase. So that guy, I should have written his name down. That he's one of the founders of the parkour movement. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, I saw him just the other day on an uh, episode of 
um, UK Ninja Warrior. Really? He, he was one of the contestants. Oh, I wish I, cool. He's a French guy. Forgive me. Uh, uh, I can't remember his name at the moment. There is a brilliant little sequence in that chase when he's doing all his parkour through the construction building <laughs> and he's doing all these unbelievably cool moves and James is chasing him probably can't do those moves so he just does does his own version and at one point which is just the best he just runs straight through um a, a, what do you call it like a plasterboard, plasterboard wall, wall. Yeah. yeah yeah I, I picked up on just that as absolute well. brute yeah. force because it's funny because um at least once, probably more more than that. Actually, during the film, he's he's referred to as like a blunt instrument, yeah. And it's illustrated straight away because, as you say, this elegant parkourist um, is doing all these amazing things. And that one with the wall, he goes through a small slit at the top. Yes, and Bond just bowels through it. Yeah, it's, it's so brilliant. good. It's, it's again it. perfectly illustrating the difference. Yeah, that's all I have from the Madagascar sequence. I don't want to skip ahead if unless anyone's got anything else. Uh, then we move to the Bahamas, which you know, everyone loves to move to the Bahamas. So I got a few things from the Bahamas that maybe we'll talk about in the categories like outfits and what have you. Um, but the first little moment that I love from that is is the what is now a classic joke of when he, he valet parks the guy's Range Rover. Which is really funny. It's kind of a showcase joke for the film. The best bit of that is the way he throws the keys away at the end. Ah, you're stealing all such, my yes. lines. Oh, it's mate, disdain. sorry. Disdain. It's such like, disdain. Yeah. Just fling, flings them, doesn't it? It's so good. Sass. Sass. One word, yeah. sass. So it was a bit of a coup, I think, for the Bond franchise to get Judy Dench as M. Mm. She's, a, she's a brilliant actor. Uh, and there is, she doesn't really have much of a chance to flex her her acting chops in these films. But there's a great line delivery when um, Bond has uh, logged into her the secure website using her name and password, <laughs> and she's in bed and she goes, "How the hell does he know these yeah. things?" <laughs> and it's just it's so naturally delivered that line. I mean, it's it's a minor thing, but what that's the whole that, point of this podcast. It's a small stuff. That machine that she she looks at oh. on the side of her bed is like out of the nineteen so sixties. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Mm. The whole top spins around in this kind of obscure clandestine computer. Yeah. Why can't she just have a laptop a la- by her bed? Which she has because we, yeah. you know, we've he, he literally broke into it and logged, <laughs> it, logged into it, and she's it, got this really weird thing. It's like futuristic, but old it's it's a it's an old 1970s computer so, in a really futuristic yeah, really weird built futuristically built yeah. contraption so you've just made me remember something so he breaks into her flat or mm-hmm. house or whatever before that doesn't he yeah yeah but then when she gets woken up by that phone call she's sleeping next to someone so she clearly has a husband partner whatever um did bond like what, what did Bond... Was he out when Bond broke in? He's did Bond expert. have to s- just, subdue him? <laughs> I don't know. He, he's probably, you know, doing a sting operation on the house, waiting yeah. for him to go out yeah, or something. Fair enough. Grab some shopping. I don't know. So there's a few other bits of Bond cool, uh, just in general, because I think that the whole Bahamas sequence is really good for just establishing that he's really good at stuff. 
mm. and that he's cool about it as well. When they play poker and he ends up winning that guy's Aston. Oh, such a nice car, by the yeah. way. The flex when he goes, oh, the valet ticket. Oh, it, I know. It's just so... He's not content with destroying this man's life, but he wants to twist the dagger at yeah. the same time. He's yeah, yeah. loving it. Uh, and then following on from that... The, uh, by the way, the key yeah. ring for his old Aston Martin, yes. DB5, is it? Yeah. Um, is the one he later gets um, from... Well, the later, the DBS Aston Martin. Okay. Mm. What, in um, in Montenegro? Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's okay. given is, is the DBS, <laughs> which is the key ring of um, whatever the guy was. Dimitrios. Dimitrios. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. That's cool. There we go. So, um, speaking about the Aston, it might be my favourite joke in the whole film. When he he gets the car from the, the valet parking guy <laughs> and the, Demetrius's wife, whose name is Solange, by the way. Cool name. Um, yeah. She goes in. Yeah, we, we know the drill. But the brilliant joke is when he just drives around the circle drive and ends up back at the, at the front of the hotel. I love that. I love that joke. He's so smug. Yeah. <laughs> the way he looks. Yeah. It's very good. Their the whole their whole dynamic. Yeah, their dynamic there. I I really like it. Mm. I, I think it works really well. I'm kind of skipping ahead here, so feel free to pull me back, rein me back in. Um So my next one is it's a bit of a negative. Uh the whole Miami sequence. It's the only bit of the film where I get a bit bored. I'm like, I don't think we need this. Yeah, it's like Dagobah for me. I'm like, <laughs> oh, really? Just, I just don't really want to watch it. Yeah. Okay, I've seen it once. I understand what they're trying to do, but you're right. It is. I guess it's necessary. It's, it's quite as long. A, yeah, it, it is. Really is. It's, it's quite necessary long... as a plot driver because... Mm. Um, you need Le, it to know what's going on. Le Chief needs to lose the money on the stock, whatever thing For him doing. to enter the poker, yeah. poker game to... Yeah. Yeah, but in, win it back, even though he doesn't. You know, the fact they're in Miami is completely wasted. You could have some cool, <clears throat> cool stuff in Miami, but it's just like, no, we're at the airport, and it was all a bit. Yeah, there is one good bit, uh, and, and we've mentioned it before. Back to the Future. Um, another shout out to heads or other parts of your body being smacked against the steering wheel during the fight. Yes. Bond gets his face on the steering wheel, and the horn beeps. Oh, good. I didn't pick up on that. It's pretty good. Oh, nice. So that whole truck fight, it's very reminiscent of Raiders of the Lost Ark, I thought. Mm, The truck fight with the the Nazi dude. Um, But yeah, frankly, I could do without the whole Miami sequence. So we're introduced to the whole Montenegro sequence by him traveling on the train, Mm. which is classic. Yes. So it's so classic Bond. Completely unnecessary. It could just fly. Would have been fine. But it's it because it gives us a time gives us a chance to meet Vesper. And they have the um uh, well, I was I was gonna mention Go on then. The the interaction between them where they basically just completely uncover each other's life story as if they can read each other's mind. Yeah. That whole they just they get each other and it I think it sets the scene for how they will later um, play a part in each other's lives, but also the story, how their the duo that they have will impact the sort of whole vibe of how 
the rest of the movie is going to yeah. play out. Yeah, yeah. It's just so well done. It's really tight, isn't it? It's really, really... They, they convey a lot of information from both characters in a really natural way, but in, with, with quite a lot of swagger as well. They're both very, you know, dexterous with their, um, their words. Um, but yeah, as you say, Maddie, they, they do a really good job of setting the foundations for their relationship going forward. Aside from one extremely <laughs> clumsy uh, product placement... When, oh, the he, when he goes on about when she goes on about the watch, and he's why like, "Why did they not show Rolex?" The watch? And he's like, "Omega." And she, just, and she just goes, "Beautiful." Give me a break. But they don't show his watch. It was. Just, it's just really clumsy. I just don't. It's the I, worst product placement in a film I've seen for a long time. And but but without actual product placement, I almost feel like now that you're saying that they don't show the watch, it could be. It could have been that she didn't see the watch. She's just saying, she's just inferring that that's what he has. Yeah, and, he, he, and when, he, when he says it, he sort of clumsily messes around with his cuff as if he's either embarrassed or wants to show it to her. But mm. then you don't, nothing happens. Yeah. It's quite weird. Yeah, but it's not great. You know. I think the, um, the whole interaction, it shows their combat- compatibility and intelligence within what they just bounce off each other as as if it's just talking to themselves basically i like the way he says um when she says how was your lamb and he says skewered it's one sympathizes so good how was your lamb skewered one sympathizes his face when he says that he's he's loving it because he's enjoyed the interaction loving it yeah um that takes us to my second favorite joke in the whole film is when he says that her name's Stephanie Broadchest. <laughs> and she goes, it is not. And like, leans across and she goes, just going to have to trust me. <laughs> Brilliant. And you're Miss Stephanie Broadchest here. I am not. You're going to have to trust me on this. I feel like the more in, into the meat of the film we get, the fewer, I felt this way in Back to the Future as well, <laughs> the fewer small stuff things there are. So I'm kind of... I kind of like it peters out a little bit for yeah, me because think, because it's so tight at that point. Yeah, as a, as a general point, there's 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 a lot in this film. It's what two hours twenty four. It's not hugely long, and there are a lot of scenes and a lot of kind of really important story yes. beats to hit. Um, I mean, that sounds strange, isn't it? Because the, the card game's like half an hour long or whatever. Yeah. Um, but even so, it, it's still uh, even that in itself is is. Is really tight. It doesn't feel overly, you know, lengthy or anything like that. But you're right. There aren't subtlety is not the name of the game, really. I find in this bit, it whizzes along quite quickly, doesn't it? Yeah, and it has to. It has to pack it in. It has to kind of deliver, and I think it does. And this is the whole point of this this podcast: is that if we talked about the the big themes in the movie. It would be just the same as everybody else. So I don't think there's any need to go into the like the the those broader plot sequences. <clears throat> I do love the shower scene. Though. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I, it's almost my favourite scene of the entire movie. I think it's really, really, really well done. Uh, it just goes to show how emotionally she's and physically affected by something she probably didn't think she'd ever experience. Um, and the fact she's just there and she, you know, she's got her clothes on. She's just, I don't know, trying to wash away the 
and the images or the the, yeah. the the misery she's just encountered is so good and he's so tender he just walks in there and there's no there's no sexuality to it he's just there for her um it's it's so not bond yeah because imagine if that was roger moore he'd make some yeah. smarmy joke and then try to yeah kiss her yes. or something mm-hmm. that's a good point uh, it it follows the fight sequence in the staircase which i think mm. is maybe the my favorite fight sequence in the in the film it's cool it's really good <clears throat> brutal um i've got a uh something i picked up on that i i quite liked just i like these sorts of things in all movies but the the bit when he orders a drink the custom drink that he hasn't named yet yeah eventually ends up being called vespa uh everyone goes around asking for it as well and once he walks off, she tries it and she's like, oh, hello, that's yeah. really good. And it's like she doesn't want to, she's too proud to admit that he's actually done something good. Yeah. Uh, I just, I like the, I really like facial expressions that are sort of subtle, but you know they're meant to be there. Yeah. I, I liked it. Yeah, good. Could you, um, could you throw together a cocktail just out of the blue there, Andy? Just like come up with the ingredients and like it would be a really tasty drink. I could certainly try. It would not be tasty. Exactly. And it would probably mean I would either throw up or be immediately drunk. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool, isn't it? And I love the way everyone starts asking yes. for the same. Dry martini. Oui, monsieur. Wait. Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of quina lily, shake it over rice, and then add a thin slice of lemon peel. Yes, sir. You know, I'll have one of those. So will I. Certainly. My friend, bring me one as well. Keep the fruit. That's it. Hmm? And the chief's getting so cross. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's pretty. Which is perfect. Which is what. Which is what we want, right? We want to get under his skin. I'm guessing that's exactly what he wanted to do. He yeah. was trying to make a drink to disrupt the flow of the game and disrupt the chief's yeah. plan in a way. Do you love the love the way Felix Leiter goes? Hold the fruit. <laughs> he's not yeah. messing around with he doesn't around. want olives no. or lemons <laughs> or whatever yeah. it is <laughs> so i have a question about when um bond loses the first 10 10 million mm-hmm. a lot uh, of money to lose yeah. by the way how can you be so careless and he he kind of loses the plot for a bit and he he picks up a knife and he storms off and until felix stops him mm. what was he going to do was he going to kill the sheep completely ruined the plan i think that was the intention but it was weird wasn't it you're right because it's quite a it's quite a marked change in his ability to control his anger he loses it's the plot just, all just of a sudden absolutely just raging isn't he it's very very inefficient i'm, I'm ill disciplined i'm mm. not a during um <clears throat> during the card game it's my least favorite part and it's <sighs> mathis right it's yeah. constantly, it's oh. like, ooh, there's his towel to Vesper. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. oh, look, there's 120 million in the pot now. Like he's narrating no, how well, to play cards. He, he is the audience's, um, what's the word? Okay, so Vesper is us because we don't necessarily know the ins and outs of Texas Hold'em. So we, Vesper, needs someone to explain what's going on that's basically it he's just the commentator for a poker game i don't like it yeah i agree i like mathis as a character but i think it uh, didn't quite work in that sequence 
sounds slightly condescending in a Very, way. Yeah. It's yeah, it's just a bit. Yeah. Especially as it's to Vesper as well. Mm. Like, she can't possibly understand this game. Well, that's true because she has proven herself quite capable in understanding fairly high concept things until this point. So Mm. it's it's a bit transparent, isn't it? The way they kind of hold our hand during the sequence. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it's uh, just a a nod to the the attitudes of Mathis's character. Just assumes she doesn't know anything because she's a Attractive lady. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Andy? Um, just, to, just to the end, after Bond wins, he just shifts the croupier. <laughs> just a cool half million. Yes. It's like, there you go, son. Casual. It's not no. his money, though. No, that's a good point. No. It's <clears throat> it's the treasury's money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy's just been dealing cards. Yeah, <laughs> here's half a million. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Good shout. He's like, thank you very much. Like, really, like, this happens all the time. Thank you. So we're racing along through this, actually. Because um, I'm moving on to Venice. Uh, and I just want to mention the email, his resignation email. Is, Can I you, just go back to the yeah, car, the car accident? Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, Vesper's kidnapped. Um, or so we think. Um, and Bond races off in his Aston. And um, the crash is, is quite dramatic. Yep. Just a tad. But... Are there no airbags in that car? Mm. There's none. Do we? I can't actually remember. Do we see inside the car when the crash happens? It's, or do it's we... quite when it's rolling. You can yeah. kind of see it at the end when they're dragging him out. There's nothing in there. I mean, oh. really? well, I mean, then he's then he's dead, right? If there's no airbags, I just it seems weird. I don't know, and I don't think he survives that. No. But there we are. So, uh, just going back to his um, resignation email. He's using the MI6 confidential secure content <laughs> site. I mean, it's it goes back a little bit to the the weird computer that M has by her desk. Like, it looks in like big notice, block notes. letters at the top yeah. of the email. MI6 confidential secure content. Just so we're clear that this yeah. is this is official. And what's interesting, if you look at those emails, so there's the top few are inboxes, and the the the, the bottom few are sent. So on this, and it's, it's, it's sorted by date. So the top of the sent today is uh, resignation, right? I think the one un- directly underneath it, or a couple underneath it, it are, its subject is stationary request. <laughs> what? He's sending an email to get some free stationery before he hands his notice in. Is oh, that what he's doing? Nice. No, that's good. Well, you never know when you're going to need pens. Well, Maddie needed pens. a pen just now. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So Bond is on the make, despite the fact somehow he's just come up with this beautiful yacht that he's sailing to Venice in. Well, yes, mm. that'll come up later. Um, so the whole Venice sequence is pretty cool. Uh, I think, in particular, the underwater sequence. Oh, yes. Uh, when Vespa is trapped mm. in the lift and he dives underwater. Underwater sequences are quite often bad in films. Mm but this is legit. Yeah. They do such a good job with it. It terrifies me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I have a phobia. It's ridiculous. I have a phobia of drowning, but, you know, most people would, right? But I find it slightly disturbing watching it potentially happen, or in this case, happen. Yeah. Mm. Um, I was listening to something the other day about the production of this, and Eva Green did a lot of work controlling her breath underwater, to make this look super realistic. Oh, God. She's a fairly remarkable person. Oh, incredible. Yeah. yeah. And um, 
she scared even the staff when she, you know, that bit where she inhales water and she yeah. kind of oh falls backwards. It's awful, harrowing scene. It's so well done. She's, oh my goodness, yeah. So th- there were there was genuine panic in the the crew when this happened because she was she kind of didn't tell them she was going to do it. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's incredible. so like you say. Sometimes, well, often more often than not, underwater scenes are bad. This is really really well done. So that was actually my last last note taken was when Vesper dies, it's done so well. It's very physically disturbing to watch. Like it's it's distressing. It's any word you can have for unpleasant. It's she all like, of them. She like sinks like a stone at the end there, doesn't she? Like yeah. she falls to the back of the well, lift. I don't Incredible. like it. Don't that's like the <clears throat> filling with water. That's she... the no point. There's no that's the point, isn't it? There's no yeah. air in her lungs. There's no air in her to yeah. for her to float. Have you got anything else? Um, a couple of things. Yep. Um, just a general one um, first. Well done to, to the scriptwriters for avoiding or resisting the temptation to use one-liners almost exclusively. There's a, I don't think there is a one-liner in the entire film. I think not a traditional one-liner. I think yeah, yeah. their version of one-liners are when the bartender says, shaken or stirred, and he says, do I look like a give a damn or something like that? You know, that's yep. like their equivalent. They're basically subverting the one-liner with... Because the, the chap who um, Eva, sorry, Vespa meets up with, the chap with the um, eye patch, yep. he gets nail gunned through the patch. Yes. And I'm, I can't believe if that's a Brosnan or a, well, you Roger, know, Moore. a Roger Moore yeah. film, that there's not some piffy line they can yeah. throw in there i was trying to think of one to be funny but yeah. i failed miserably but uh yeah i it, they they purposely not done it which is um laudable once again um, shows bond's character in just being really really um upfront very set in what he's doing professional there's no need to it sounds backwards there's no need to go out of his way to make it flashy yeah. Even though that's like everything he does when he's not fighting. Yeah. And the other one I was going to keep from a coolest look, but it's not really a look. Um, it is that scene where he follows Vesper and then he's spotted. So he's in this building and there's columns and stuff. But there's some guys, some spotters, I think, who are covering the transaction and he's spotted. So he, he instinctively kind of cowers behind a column and these guys are just randomly shooting i mean just holding their automatic weapons open just firing randomly it seems and it cuts to bond's face it's only like half a second and he's completely you know expressionless like get on with it lads like just stood there waiting i know what's for, about to happen waiting yeah. for them to have to reload or whatever he's like oh, it's brilliant it's so cool it goes we talked about at the start where he he doesn't bolt until he has to he's just there waiting for them to stop shooting so we can get on with doing the important stuff. Yeah. They're just randomly shooting. Brilliant. <laughs> Arbitrarily just spraying bullets yeah. in his general That's direction. He's like, it's very good. Love that. Great. Um, well, unless we've got any other small stuff, we might uh, take a break and then do the categories. Okay, let's take a break.
Right, before we get into the categories, actually, Andy, I just I just wanted to go back to something that you said to me in the break just then about something that um, you wanted to mention about Miami, the scene in Miami. Yeah, that'll teach me to have disorganized notes. Um, there's, a, there's a scene in Miami where um, just outside the Body Works exhibition, Bond gets out of the taxi and reaches over to the cab driver, gives him some money and tells him to wait. Wait here, please. Or some words to that effect. And so then, do we think that guy's still waiting? I don't know. How long do you wait? He's there. Bond is... I mean, in the end, he's arrested. I mean, <laughs> he's literally carted off by the police. Um, and, you know, even in real time, you know, just watching the scenes like 12 minutes long. Yeah. So, I don't know, like an hour? Is he gone? Well, and he's like watching... Because all oh, hell breaks loose. Then probably emergency services rush there. The, the cab driver's just sitting there waiting and watching all these fire engines and police cars and ambulances go rushing by. I guarantee Bond did not give him enough money to wait. No. It's like okay. a couple of notes or something he hands in. Anyway. Good. Although he was very generous with the dealer, so maybe um, yeah. maybe he's all equally generous with Miami taxi drivers. <laughs> right, let's move on to the categories. First category, as always, uh, is Audio Corner. There is a moment in the grainy black and white sequence right mm. at the beginning and so this goes back to your reference, your point earlier, where there's no music. There is music there, but there is, and it's quite contemporary kind of film score music. And there is a brief moment, and it's very quiet, where it goes a bit Western. And there's like a little bit of Western guitar or, or, or like, you know how in Western sometimes they have like little rattlesnake sound effects. Mm. And yeah, yeah. It does that for a brief moment. It's so weird. Um, anyway. That's that's about the best I've got for audio corner. Do you guys have anything? Um, I yes, I do. I mine is when he's been poisoned by the chief. He goes to his car and as he's dying, you know, casually as you do, just cl- plug the thingies onto his heart. You can hear his heartbeat through an EKG in the background. You can hear it, and as he, it gets slower and slower, and then it stops, and it's. It's like background music, but of his heart. I really, I think it was That's a good cool. touch. Very cool, and I didn't, I didn't notice it. That's cool. No, no, <clears throat> very good, very good. I've got a couple. The first one's more of a sound effect, which I, I, it's like ASMR or almost, where um, you mentioned it earlier, where the chief's flipping the poker chips. The noise is so good. Mm. It's yes. <laughs> such a good noise. It's a bit like the noise of the dials on the amplifier at, yeah. in Doc's studio in Back to the Future. Yeah. It's very good. Yep. Um, but my, my favourite bit is um, a Vespa's theme, which kind of ramps up when she's in the shower. Like It's quite silent. The water yeah. of the shower is, is, is just, you can hear it. And then slowly as Bond sort of comes in, the, the Vespa music um, comes in and it's super powerful. It's really good. Yeah, I see. 
lovely piece of music, really well um, edited into that scene. Okay, good. We can always count on you to get get some good classical music references. Hey. It's good. Um, is it worth mentioning the the actual Bond theme? You know my name by Chris Cornell. It's a good theme, right? It's a good Bond yes. song. Yeah, it doesn't use the name of the film in the title or in the the, the yeah. words aren't said at all in the song, which is which is unusual. Um, yeah, I, I was reading somewhere that Chris Cornell thought it was a joke when he was asked to do it because you know it was a you know, single um, male American artist. He just yeah. Well, yeah. It works. It's, it's really, really good. good. It's really good. Yeah. So let's move on to the visual category, the best looking scene. I've actually got quite a few on this one, so I might save some. Uh, Andy, do you want to kick us off with this? Just two. Um, that I mean, it's a, it's a good looking film, isn't it? Um, trying to pick out specifics, which I was trying to do, try to nail it down to a single frame if I can. Yeah. Um, so the, there's there's two for me which I really like. Um, the when the Aston Martin is rolling, there's a couple of angles they show where you can see the car rolling and Vespa still on the floor on the road in the background. Um, it's pretty powerful, so that's quite good. Um, I like that. Um, but I think my favourite is is slightly obscure really. It's the it's the panned out shot of them sailing into Venice. Mm. It's so good. It's so tranquil. It's so um, it does such a good job of telling them, telling a story about what their life, what they want their life to be. It's like what it could be, yeah, what yeah. genuinely it could be. You know, they're literally sailing into, not into the sunset, but yeah. they're sailing yeah. away. It's, yeah. uh, I love it. It's, um, it's really vibrant. The, the boat is incredible. It's an amazing mm-hmm. yacht. Um, and um, yeah, so that that's it for me. That that yeah, scene where you pan out is a kind of wide angle shot of them sailing th- into the channel into Venice. It's uh, Cool. Uh well, Andy, you stole one of mine. So. But yeah, the um the shot when the car is on two wheels, basically completely horizontal, but still somehow in a straight line, not toppled yet. It's it's incredible. Mm. But mine is has no significance to moving whatsoever. I just absolutely love the shot, and I'm sure you can get just one single frame, yeah. a screenshot, which just looks amazing. And it's when. I don't remember her name. It's when um, it's in bah- the Bahamas. It's as soon as you get to Bahamas, the woman is has just swimming and gets out of the water with the sunrise behind her onto her boat. You've got the glistening of the water right, right. on the yacht mm-hmm. and the white boat. It just looks. Is that Le Chief's boat? Mm. It is, isn't it? She comes. She I gets think out so. Of the water. Yes. Yeah. So it's Le Chief's woman for a better way of lacking oh the blonde lady yeah. believe yeah. so i'm yeah. not yeah. And she climbs sure. the ladder doesn't she to yes. get back into the boat i, I yeah. just i there's probably just the bl- the blues and the oranges the bright it just mm. looks incredible yeah, yeah. so i've got a few um any frame or any scene where you can see daniel craig's eyes oh my god could could be considered best scene because his eyes are the star of the show they're incredible they're so blue How? so ridiculous so, um, does yeah. he does he wear contacts? No, no, don't think so. <laughs> He's just. <laughs> um, so there's a couple. There's one great shot where right at the beginning when he's chasing um, parkour guy, and they get to the crane, and there's a shot where they're both standing on yes. the crane, and it's a 
it's a yeah. zoom shot from a long distance and the, that silhouette of the two men on the crane is incredible you guys have mentioned the car chase and the crash i think my favorite visual in that sequence is just before the crash when he comes round the bend and the headlights hit that reveal her in the ground and she balls herself up mm. into a like a almost a fetal position to get out of the way of the car i think that is an incredible looking scene maybe it's more <clears> just of the the what it means and and that kind of stuff but it just works so well for me there's a really atmosphere it it precedes the the torture scene but when the chief takes james into the hold of the or the cargo bay of the of the ship that he ends up torturing him in there's a shot a wide shot of james on the chair and just the kind of the gritty rusty metal around him and there's a little bit of a haze in the air in terms of an atmospheric shot that's brilliant why why is le chief so sweaty there um i don't know he's really sweaty mm. he just lost a lot of money I, it's, I don't know. It's really That's true weird. because he's really cash when they've he's like, just, your friend just, Mathis was my friend Mathis. They've just driven there in, a, yeah. I presume, an air-conditioned vehicle, gone straight there. Well, what, what happened? I don't know. Good point. Um, but I'm, I'm the, the, the whole scene, which this is my winner for best-looking scene, goes back to, to Daniel Craig's blue eyes again. It's when... It's the scene I've already mentioned where he, he's just won the Aston Martin and he... He gets the valet ticket and the, the woman, Solange, comes out to get in the Aston. And that little interplay they have before they get in the Aston, the, the lighting is just brilliant. I, re- I, I, want, I think I recommend you watching it again because from a photographic point of view, the highlights in their hair, the, um, the light on their face, his eyes, her skin tone and her dress uh and i mean obviously he's gorgeous she's gorgeous that whole little interplay that is so beautiful that's my number one best looking scene i could just swim in daniel craig's eyes (laughs) (laughs) we don't need that (laughs) Uh, right my favorite category favorite incidental character i love random people in films that Mm. don't really mean anything but stand out Andy, do you have um, do you have someone to? I feel like I'm stealing this because I suspect you've picked the same person. Go on then. It's our favourite banker, Mr. Mandel. Oh my God, Monsieur Mandel. <laughs> he's he's yeah. that superb kind of European jolly but serious demeanour he has, where everything, even banking, is fun to him. Yeah, yeah, and he expects that it's fun to everybody. So he's like. Can you put your password in, please? He's really excited every time he's talking about anything to do with banking or the act of banking. He's smiling and you can hear it in his voice. I, I love him. He's so good. Um, I completely forgot about that category. I'm not going to lie. But yes, mine would have been him as well. He's a joy to watch. Well, I think we're unanimous. Uh, mm. I think it almost could be the name of this category, to be honest with you. The Monsieur Mendel award because he is just so utterly charming and the, the little smile he gives when they ask it when james asks him if he's brought any chocolates and he's like, he's like no and then he's just got a brilliant he's smile. not really sure if it's a joke yeah. he's got that kind of bizarre smile where he's like i'm not sure if you're being serious do you expect me to actually bring some chocolates oh, Monsieur 
Mendel. How are things in Switzerland? My apologies. I do not mean to rush, but 120 million is a large sum of money. It certainly is. You didn't bring any chocolates with you? I'm afraid not. <laughs> and this is the great thing. And this, just for me, sums up why I wanted to do this podcast in the first place, the small stuff. It has absolutely no bearing on the film. That little sequence, that little bit of acting by Ludger Pistor, when he does that smile, exactly what you just described, he doesn't know whether he should be should have actually brought chocolates or not. Mm -hmm. And the way James... Bond's reaction uh, to it. ...reacts so to good. that. It's so good. And it's completely <laughs> unnecessary, but it's delightful. Yeah. It takes the rough edges off, uh, off, off any scene, doesn't yeah. it? It brings some humanity to it in a really, really elegant way. I... I I've always thought that films, modern films, don't give enough screen time and script energy or script time to incidental characters. Giving good lines to incidental characters is a lost art. They used to do it all the time in old films like Casablanca and stuff. The, the incidental characters used to, be, used to have great lines. They don't do it quite so much anymore, but I feel like um, Monsieur Mendel is... Um, is up there. I just also want to very quick. He didn't win in my heart, but just a, a little quick shout out to the MI6 technician that um, that gives James the tracker in his arm. Nice. He's like just a job, just just a jobbing MI6 technician who stabs people. You know, gives him a quick smile, and then he's off. It's, but it's 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 a very forced smile, isn't it? Yeah. Because like Bond's ow. Yeah. <laughs> Like there's no bed, bedside manner at yeah. all, is there? He's just, just getting on with the job. Yeah. Good. Well, we're unanimous. Monsieur Mendel, we salute you. Uh, right. Best location. Now, okay, I've just got something to say about this before you dive into this. So Bond films are known for their exotic locations. Mm. I struggled, ironically, to find what I would consider to be a really amazing location from this film. Obviously, the Bahamas are amazing and Venice is amazing, but there was nothing that really stood out to me in this one, apart from a couple, but I'm happy to hand to you guys. For... I've got two. One's, it could, it could have gone with best single frame, but I put it in this one just because I already had stuff for the other one. Um, and it's the crane scene in Madagascar when... You've panned out and you see them up on the cranes. You've got all the construction. But in the background, you've got, I don't know if it's a river or a lake or the sea, and then mountains. It just looks incredible. Mm. Um, and, yeah, the the foreground with all the action, you kind, of for, you kind of forget to look at where they are. It doesn't have any meaning, apart from the fact that that's where it's happening, but it just looks incredible. But it underlines the fact that it was filmed there. Like, yes, yeah. we actually went to Madagascar and filmed it here. This isn't the soundstage. This mm. isn't fake. We're actually where we say we are. Yeah, and I think that's what, for me, when when you've got, as you said, Jess, the, the Bond films are always beautiful. They're always very exotic locations. Um, but they don't they don't jump out at you in this film, do they? They're just there. Mm. But they're I'm not, not subtle. But they are really important, but they don't they don't steal the show. They're just functioning perfectly. Uh every single one oh, of that's them. That's a good point. It goes back to how the tight the film is. I think one of the reasons that it's so difficult to choose a single place in this movie is that it's a movie f 
from the perspective of the upper class, everything is pristine, everything's really nice. I mean, they're in the Bahamas, they're in Miami, they're in Madagascar, they're in Venice. All of these places are beautiful in their own way. And it kind of highlights the fact that they're with millionaires, billionaires who are just casually playing a $10 million game of poker. So everything is really nice. It's very difficult for a middle-class person to pick out one truly incredible place because they're all incredible because they're all amazing to our eyes like Mm. to them it's probably eh, whatever but for us it all just looks incredible Mm. i actually had to i actually had to go and look a little bit behind the scenes so to speak to to try and help me with this one and a couple of things i picked up on the the uganda scene which i think is it's right at the start of the film where you see the sheep from again it's raining and um That was that was shot in a park, I believe, in near Pinewood Studios. Okay, and they had to ship in a whole bunch of red dirt to make <laughs> it look authentic. Well, to make it look authentic, um, yeah, to the point they had to speak to the, I guess the the the, the correct kind of planning folks and the. Um, to make sure that it didn't affect the ecosystem and stuff like that. It's crazy yeah. stuff. But yeah, you know, you, you kind of, it's just functioning, isn't it? It doesn't, there's nothing there which makes you think it's amazing. It just looks like it should and, and performs like it yeah. should perfectly well. And the other one is, I think the obvious one is the, the casino, the, the kind of the card room, if you like, yeah. um, which was, I believe, built on a sound, sound stage. Okay. Um, but it's so opulent. And without being over the top, it's yes. just very, very wealthy looking, mm. very comfort, comfortable, very warm, very cozy, very well, opulent. Um, works really well for a built set. I think it looks fantastic. So what's your pick, Andy, for best? It's it's going to be location? the card room. In the casino, room. Yeah. yeah. Mads? Mm, well, I've got another one. Um, okay. The right at the end, like literally the final scene when... Bond shoots that guy in Mr. the foot White. Mr. who White. comes up in ne- yeah, the next in movie. The next um, that like castle, big mansion house with on from like the left side, and then you've got the river, and then across from it, you've got even more nice things. That just looks incredible. The house is in itself is amazing. Do we know where that is? It must be I, the well, lake. I think right? it's Lake Como. Yeah, because so. um, oh, I'll come back to that. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out to the little rotary car park outside the um, casino. It's the little kind of, yeah. I mean, I don't know how it's to a, describe it's a roundabout, it. isn't there? Yeah, and, and like... then cars park uh, like on a, a little oblique angle mm-hmm. around it. I just, I love that. I don't know why that... that isn't more of a thing. I was watching it. It's so easy just to pull in. The one that Bond goes round for his... No, no, no. The, this is outside the, the, ho- oh. the, the casino where there are actually marked spaces, mm. but they're just like on a little angle okay. going into yes. the... There's a shot um, of that, and there's a there's a car that drives up and parks into the one available space, yeah. and it got it kind of triggered me a little bit because I'm thinking, God, if I want to park at this casino, what's the chances I'd get there in my car and there's a space there? Like, <laughs> I well, you park across the street. Car park anxiety, yeah. and this lucky person just walk, drives literally drives straight into the oblique yep. um, space. So that's Brilliant. one little shout. But yeah. I think for me, the best location, it's a little bit like what you said, Mads, uh, but it's the where he's in hospital mm. uh, um, next to the lake. Mm. Um, 
that's actually some villa in by Lake Como, Villa Balbianello in Lake Como. But it's just, you know, Lake Como is used in films all the time because it's so gorgeous and it just mm. looks incredible. So that's my count, my winner. Let's go on to um, the prop or item that we think is the coolest or the thing that we'd like to take home with us or, or own. Mads? Um, well, the one that I would like to own, if I was to choose a prop from the movie, would be very specifically the first poker game when he wins the Aston Martin. The turquoise blue poker chips. <laughs> they just look so slick and the colour is really nice and they just... It's just cool. Okay. It's, Good. it's the you most... Could, you could play poker with them and, and people would be like, oh, these are nice. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were mm -hmm. used in Casino mm -hmm. Royale. That would be awesome. It's just like the most random thing but mm -hmm. would be an awesome flex to cool. have. And did you say you um, had another one? Um, yeah, well, just for coolness, the Aston Martin with the full kitted out um, medical system and yeah. whatnot that he has yeah, where he cool. almost dies in. Although shoddily put together defibrillator, mm. just after yes, very and no airbags. Yes, yeah. you know, that's oh, yeah. mine. Yeah. DBS. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I would have the DB5, the, the one he wins off Dimitrios, the older one. Yeah, the old yeah, car. yeah. Um, but more realistically, and outside of the poker room, it wouldn't be worth anything anyway. But I would have a couple of those square mm. um, chips. Oh, like a million Royale. dollar and half a million or whatever. Yeah, probably one of the half million, one of the million, just so I could clack them together, make that satisfying noise. <laughs> I... Interesting, you both went for... Oh, they're so they're tactile so looking, yeah. smooth and clicky. and Slick. It's like a fidget spin. I can mm -hmm. imagine myself just playing with it all the time. You would you would perfect the um, yeah. the, the sheaf. Well, I would click. go for the square ones the square because ones, I like yeah, the noise they make. Yeah. But I don't You'd be think sliding I'd... them to dealers all over the place. I'm just not dexterous enough yeah. to do whatever it is the sheaf is doing. I started learning. It's very difficult. <laughs> do you think Mads Mickelson had yeah. to learn to do that? Yeah. I always, I'm always jealous of Are that. there shots of him actually doing it or are there close-ups? Not sure. Mm, I think there was a shot from okay. like behind Bond mm. or... Yeah, yeah. I could there be wrong. There probably is. I just can't remember. Probably. Uh, right. So I've got I've got two. I mean, one more realistic than the other. I, I like the Algerian love knot that she mm -hmm. wears. That's a nice thing. Yeah. Like you could that could be a thing that you could either wear or, or give to your, your wife or whatever. And, you know, yeah, this is the Algerian love knot from Casino Royale. That would yep. be cool. Uh, but I think the clear winner, and I can't believe either of you didn't say this, is the yacht. Yeah. Mm. It mean, is yeah. one of the nicest looking vehicles i've ever seen you can't take it home though can you it's not you can't i wouldn't want to take it home i'd leave it, it leave it in venice so expensive to maintain a yacht <laughs> well yeah but if i have that yacht then i'm rich enough to also maintain it so yeah. it's fine but oh the thing is like yes it's a good yacht and if i was into boats i'd know more <laughs> about it but it just doesn't really appeal to me like i can admire that it's a good yacht. I can admire that it's beautiful. It's classy. But personally, I wouldn't want it. So Andy and I both, Andy and I both looked at each other and shook our heads simultaneously. Yeah. Then, Matt. Mm. sorry, <laughs> it's just it's not my style. Would it would help you, if I told you a bit more about it? But would on. you prefer Le Chiffre's motor cruiser at the start? Mm. No, not really. It's it's cool, but it's... boats are lost on you. 
So I, I, I did a little bit of research on the yacht because it's so gorgeous. It's a 54-foot yacht called Spirit, Aww. made by Spirit Yachts in Suffolk. There you go. And they had to um, to get it into certain areas of Venice where they wanted to film. They had to remove the mast oh. uh, because it had to go under bridges and stuff. That's pretty cool. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yacht for me, poker chips for you guys. Poker square, poker I chip. Mean, I did say the DB five as well. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay, oh. fine. Uh, right. Um, potentially Maddie's favorite category: the coolest look. And I, I still had trouble with it. I've got a couple of nominations or kind of comments, mm. but I'm going to save my winner for a bit. Um, Bond's Bahamas suit. When he gets <laughs> off the plane at the Bahamas, he's in this grey suit, white mm. shirt, understated, cool as I hell. I think it's a, maybe a like lilac purple tie. I don't think he. Possibly? I'm not even sure he's wearing a tie. I think I'm, he's tieless. Okay, look. he's got some good shades as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. But then he gets good. into a Ford Mondeo. Yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah, I see. He, he drives it quite aggressively at one point. I seem to remember it was a big thing for Ford. It was kind yeah. of a, a global kind of marketing push of the new yeah, shape yeah. Mondeo. Yeah. Um, it was a big deal. But... I tell you what isn't the coolest look: the um, Montenegro uh, poker game dealer's waistcoat. <laughs> It's got it's black with playing cards on it. So bad. It's not good. It's so bad. Worst um, look is yeah. a new category. Worst look. <laughs> um, yes, so he's in a very light grey tux with a white shirt, unbuttoned, and the sunglasses. So yeah. And then and then he quickly ditches the jacket and just goes with the shirt, and that's when he gets mistaken for a, a valet yes. parking guide. Yeah. So for me, it's. A, I struggled a little bit with this because I'm, it, everything's so Bond. Um, but, and it never ceases to amaze me how these folks have logistically have the clothes to do this. But it goes back to the um, the scene when they're sailing into Venice, where Vesper somehow has managed to procure a perfect sailing shirt. It's like literally blue and white striped. <laughs> I, I mean, she's very attractive. Yes. And that's a particular, you know, I... That's a good look. But what, okay. What? Where have you got that from? Well, she's oh, we're going gone to a boat. To, oh, yeah. I go to she's my gone nearest. To the, what are they? The Chandlers. Chandlers, yeah, and buy some kind of sailing garb. Your best sailing wear, please, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's what she said. And well, in Italian, probably. Okay. Um, but yeah, so for me, yeah, it's a good look. She's she's looking particularly good. Dashing. No, I was trying to think of the right word for um, marinery. That's not a word. Nautical? Nautical is the word you're after, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, I mean, you have to admit, James Bond's tux that he wears to the poker game is just slick. It's simple. Oh, is but... that the one where he says, it's tailored to... Yes, that one. Vesper, yeah. Um, That's a great scene. From, it's got, it's got to be her dress, the one that she walks in. The first dress the she wears. The first dress she wears. It looks really, really yeah. good. Well, it's, yeah. Goes and back to what Andy was it, just saying. She does look good. Yeah. yeah, and it does exactly what it's meant to do. Yeah, except to, to bond and not to yes, the rest of them. Yes, exactly. But so the bit after he's poisoned. So I think at that point he's still wearing that suit. Is that right? Mm. Just trying because he changes no. a couple of times. He's still in a dinner jacket. Yeah, so he's he's looking worse for wear. 
he's just been poisoned, he's near death, he's sweaty and his shirt's open because he's put the defibrillator on and all sorts of things. And then they're telling him to go to the hospital and he's like, nah. And he's trying to make himself look tidy. So he <laughs> does his jacket up as if he's just going to stroll back in. It's very good. <laughs> uh, so rather along both of your lines, uh, my coolest look it goes back to the Bahamas and it goes back to my favourite best looking scene where they're talking outside the the hotel in the Bahamas is the dress that Solange wears. Mm, yes. She's knockout in that. Yes. Just gorgeous. Mm. So anyway, shout out to Katerina Marino Solange. She wins mm. best look for me. And then as always, the last category of the podcast is the closing credit over to Andy. Okay, thanks. There is um, actually not too many to pick from in this one. It's all fairly straight-laced. But um, this one today goes to Mr. Leo Stransky. <laughs> now, Leo is mostly looking at his, his uh, oeuvre, is a uh, stunt coordinator and has done a fair amount of work in mostly British films. Um, but in Casino Royale, he is billed as Tall Man. <laughs> Now, I've really struggled because I, I don't... Who Who is Tall Man? I don't... There's no scene where there's a... There's, there's anyone that strikes me as being, oh, look, he's tall. What is that? <laughs> That's just amazing. I don't understand. Who... Is there... I mean, am I missing something? Is there a tall man in, in Casino Royale? I mean, maybe, at the, maybe at the casino, but... He's, it, if he's a stuntman, you'd think he'd be doing something active. Would it be one of the ones from the Venice fight? Maybe. Or when... Tall man. <laughs> so good. So what's the guy's name? Let's give him his, his, his due credit. Leo Stransky. And I've done okay. some research because I was thinking, tall man. Hmm. Must be tall. Yeah. Five foot nine. <laughs> not, <laughs> not even tall. <laughs> what? Oh, it's so good. So have they manufactured? I mean, he's like, oh, dude, I really want to be in this film. If you've got anything I can do. Well, we've got this spot for tall man, but you're five foot nine, Leo. We'll have to it's use like, forced oh. perspective. <laughs> you stand at the front. Come close the to the camera. <laughs> stand on this box. Anyway, oh, Leo Stransky, tall man. Well done. Congratulations. Right, that about wraps it up for this episode. Uh, you can find us online at smallstuffcast.com. We are at Small Stuff Cast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to contact us, you can do so using email at smallstuffcast.com. Yep. Perhaps you think we've missed something. Perhaps you agree or disagree. Um, or maybe we've even got something wrong. Unlikely, I know. But please get in touch if you, uh, if you fancy. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Uh, so, um, as I say, that'll do it. Uh, I just want to say thanks for listening. And thank you, Maddie. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. And cheerio from me. Next time, we will be looking at Game Night. Give it a watch if you want to join us, uh, but don't forget the small stuff. <laughs>